0: Well, this morning, I want to welcome you for the next installment of our series entitled Living It. We're getting some lessons on living out the Christian faith from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, to the Christians in Ephesus. Inside your bulletin, there's an outline entitled First Love. And so um, if you take that in your hand, if you need a pen, by the way, our ushers will be coming up and down the aisles. and will be glad to bring a pen to you. And the whole idea behind this message today is to convey to us the importance of keeping our love for God first. It seemed important, if we're going to talk about living it, that has to be a top priority. And uh, this Sunday before Valentine's Day, it seemed like a good time to talk about it. It wasn't that long ago that a couple came to see me. They'd been married for nearly 20 years. And um, beautiful family, nice home, good jobs. Everything looked great on the outside. When when they came and talked to me, I asked them, well, what what are we here talking about? And they said, well... We get along great, but we're just really basically roommates. We don't love each other anymore. And we're doing all the things a husband and wife and a mom and dad should do, but we just don't love each other anymore. Well, if you understand that situation and you grasp that, well, what if that happened to us in our relationship with God? And now you'll understand why we're talking about this today. But this morning, I want you to hear uh, the message delivered from Tommy Green. Tommy, come on up here. Uh, shelley has been leading us in worship here this morning. I want you to hear from her husband, Tommy. And the reason why is because, Tommy, this is a passion of yours, isn't it?
1: It's, it's, it is my passion.
0: And when you before you and Shelley came here to this church, what did you all do?
1: Uh, we traveled for about six years in a band um, called Journey Home, and we would travel from church to church, and our whole heart's desire was to ignite passion in uh, churches that were maybe just kind of struggling. And as a matter of fact, we had uh, named the band Journey Home for the specific purposes. It was a, our heart's desire was to take people and travel them back to the heart of God.
0: Yeah. And one of the things when our elder board first interviewed these folks, one of the things we were convinced of was God brought them to us to help us deepen our relationship and our passion with him. And so this morning, I want you to hear from Tommy. This is the passion of his heart. And it's a word that Paul wrote about to Ephesus And it's a word we need to hear today. And so I'm going to pray for you and ask God to bless the time we have together here. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here together with Tommy and with everybody else here as we gather for worship. I thank you for the words that Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians and all that's been preserved for us. Your word is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And, Lord, we want to live it. I don't want to live a dead relationship. I don't want to just serve you out of duty, Lord. I want to serve you out of love. And, Lord, I just pray you'll speak through Tommy. You'll move him out of the way and teach us what we need to know. We pray these things together in the name of Christ. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, point one on your outline states this. The Christians in Ephesus were faithful followers of Christ. They were faithful followers. And what I mean by faithful followers is this, that they were per- persevering, reliable, loyal, and and fully devoted followers of Christ. Matter of fact, when Paul starts out his letter to the Ephesians, this is how he starts it out. This letter is from Paul. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. He was telling them, I understand that you are faithful followers. Paul had been with them in uh, Ephesus and seen a great revival start in that city. And he writes back to them, telling them this. Now, about 20 years later, uh, the apostle John is on the island of Patmos, and he writes a letter back to the the Ephesians, and this is what it states. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered, and you have patience, and you have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Listen, when John was writing this to... The Ephesians, he was saying, listen, I see, God sees that you've been faithful. God sees that you've been doing the right things, that you've labored for me, that you've stood against evil, that you haven't become weary. And a note for us, a life application for us is that we need to be faithful followers of Christ. Okay, We need to be persevering, reliable, loyal, fully devoted followers of Christ. We don't need to be flaky Christians. We need to be faithful Christians. We don't need to waver back and forth. We need to stay steady in our commitment to Christ. The writer of Hebrews wrote it this way. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other, each other every day. While it's still called today. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and the hardening against God. For if we are faithful till the end. trusting God just as firmly as we, when we first believed. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. He said, every day, is it still called today, warn each other. So this morning, I want to warn us. Let's stay faithful to God. Let's don't turn away. There's some in here this morning that might need to hear this. You might have been living a faithful life, faithful life to God, devoted to God all your life. And all of a sudden, it's become very hard. You feel like throwing in a towel. And you've asked yourself, is it really worth it? Is it really worth living this Christian life? The answer is yes. Stay faithful. Stay committed. Keep following the cross. Keep persevering. Keep pressing on till the end. Because a note on this is very, very interesting to hear is God rewards faithfulness. If we'll stay faithful to the end, God will reward us. This is what Paul said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day of his return. And this prize is not just for me, but all those who eagerly look forward to his appearing. You know, as humans, we know how to reward faithfulness. As a father, I know how to reward my children when they're faithful in doing their homework, when they're faithful in doing their chores. I give them more responsibility. I trust them more. Our employee, our employers know how to Reward us for being faithful employees. We're faithful at work. We get promotions. We get raises. How much more does God not understand how to reward us for being faithful to him? The problem is that we live in a society that is a microwave society. We like to be rewarded very, very quickly. And God will reward us along the way. But our big reward comes the day that we get to meet him. It comes at the very end. So don't ever waver. Stay faithful all the way to the end. Point one on your outline stated that the Christians in Ephesus were faithful followers of Christ. They were doing the right things. They were doing things very well, and they were staying steady. But point two says, but the Christians in Ephesus had lost their passion for God. They had lost their passion for God. Remember Revelations? He said, I see how you persevered. I've seen how you stood against evil. How you labor for God without quitting. He goes on to say this. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. They were doing the right things. They were, they were staying steady. They were staying faithful. But they had lost the sizzle out of their relationship with God. They had forgot what the main part of the relationship was all about. And a note in a life application for us is that we sh- must never prioritize duty over our relationship with God. Never. Never. We need to stay faithful. We need to do our duty. But we should never place that duty over our relationship with God. We can get caught up in doing so many good things that we forget what our relationship is really about. And I want to relate this to marriage. John alluded to this earlier in in marriage. uh, I did not get married to my lovely wife, Shelly, so I could change light bulbs, clean the gutters, take out the trash, mow the lawn, make money so she could go shopping, And I definitely didn't get married so I could help her change dirty diapers. That was not the reason why I got married. I got married to her because I wanted to be with her all the time. I wanted to spend my life learning about her and knowing her. It was all about having a relationship with her. Now, I change light bulbs and I mow the lawn. And occasionally, unfortunately, I have to change a dirty diaper. But I do those things because I love her and because I'm in a relationship with her. If I just went throughout my day and I just got so used to doing the chores of life in my marriage, that I was working all the time, that I was fixing things all the time, and I never spent time with my wife, I would have forgotten what marriage was all about. Well, this is exactly what Paul's telling the Ephesians. Listen, you can do all the good things, but if you don't remember that it's all about a relationship with God, you don't understand what the Christian walk is all about. we got to keep the first thing, the first thing, the main thing, the main thing, and that is our relationship with Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay? There's a story in the book of Luke that illustrates this even more. Okay? As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, "Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that you uh, to you that my sister just sits here while I'm doing all the work? Tell her to come to me." But the Lord said to her, "My dear Martha, You're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken from her. Jesus comes in to Mary and Martha's home. And Mary understood that the creator of the universe is in her living room. And the most important thing that she can be doing at that moment is sitting at his feet, listening to him, spending time with him and his her sisters like we got to work we got to make sure we, 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 ha, ha. and Jesus is like you're worried over way too many things remember that I'm in your living room and I came here to spend time with you and your sisters figure that out we got to keep the main thing the main thing and that is our relationship with God listen i want you to understand something god created us for good works he created us for going to reality and truth he created us for doing local missions and foreign missions and all the things that he's called us to do matter of fact the scripture says that he has created us to do good works before we were even formed those good works are laid out for us so god's not against us doing good works but here's a life application for us to be effective for god we must stay connected to god okay to be effective for god we must stay connected to god Jesus understood this and he taught his disciples this exact thing. John 15, he says, Remain in me. Talking about having a relationship with him. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot bear fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If we're going to be effective for God, we must stay connected to the, van, to, the, to the vine. And He is the vine. We just make sure our relationship is the main thing. Now, Jesus understood this. When Jesus walked upon the earth, He came to earth. He was fully God, but He came to earth fully man. And Jesus did great works upon the earth. But He understood that His power source was His relationship with His Father. Matter of fact, this is what it says in Luke five fifteen through 16. Vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. In other words, Jesus is right smack dab in the midst of doing ministry. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's setting the captives free. And this is what he does. It says, but Jesus often, if you want to underline the word often, withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You'll find this all throughout the Gospels that Jesus is in the midst of doing ministry and doing great things, and all of a sudden, Jesus vanishes. He's gone. He's up in the mountainside, okay? His disciples can't find him, but where's he at? Well, he's up on the mountainside praying to his Father and reconnected with him because he understood that that was where the source of his power was. And we need to take an example. If, Jesus, if it was good for Jesus, it's probably pretty good for us, okay? And this is what Paul was saying when he wrote this to the Ephesians. This is what he wrote, Ephesians 3, 18 through 19. And and, and may you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. If you want to have a life that's full, a full of life and the power that comes from God, you must experience the love of God. You must experience Him. You must know what it's like to have a relationship with Him. Shelley and I and our family have always wanted to go to Disney World. Okay, and We've heard such great things about Disney World. Our friends have gone have told us all the wonderful things about it. We've read books about what to do when you're at Disney World, and we've watched videos on it. And this last year, we actually got to take our family to Disney World. And we happened to go on Star Wars weekend. And my son and I, we love Star Wars. And so we were very excited about that. And uh, the first park that we went to was uh, Disney Hollywood Studios. And we drive up and we park the car. And we open up the car door. And as we get out, we hear the theme music to Star Wars. Dun, dun, da, dun dun, da-dun, dun, dun da, dun dun Okay, We get out of our car and we start walking towards the entrance. And when we're walking towards the entrance, we see stormtroopers up on top of the building. And they are patrolling the entrance into the park. And they're talking to each other. And my 10-year-old son's eyes got about this big. And at that moment, we weren't reading books about Disney. We weren't listening to friends tell us how great Disney was. We weren't watching videos on it. We were experiencing it for ourselves. And can I tell you, it was better than advertised for us. It was amazing. And that's exactly what Paul is telling the Ephesians. You must experience God. You must experience a relationship with him, not just know about him. You can't live off of someone else's experience with God. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He just has children. You can't just read your Bible and find out how good of a God He is. You must know Him for yourself. There are three types of people that are in this room today. There are those that have experienced the love of God and have a great relationship with Him that's strong and it's growing. There are others of you in here who have experienced the love of God. You've had a relationship with Him. You know how good He is. But something has happened in your life that's taken away that passion. And all of a sudden you, sa- you find yourself falling away from God. And you don't burn as bright for God as you used to. There are others in here that have heard about how good God is. And you've read scriptures that have told you how good God is. And friends have told you that. But you've never experienced him for yourself. You need to experience Him for yourself. This morning, you can experience God and have a relationship with Him today. All it takes is asking Him, God, I want to meet you. I want to know you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Savior and I want you to be my Lord. He'll come in. And can I tell you that He's better than advertised? Because when you meet the Creator of the universe that takes away your sins and removes them from you as far as the east is from the west. And he takes away your shame. And he takes away your guilt. And he gives you a brand new life. It's amazing. It's an experience. It's a feeling that I can't explain to you. And you can experience that this morning. As I told you that Ephesians had lost their passion for God. As you can tell, I'm a little passionate about this. They've lost their passion for God. Point three on your outline says this the Christians in Ephesus needed to rekindle their passion for God. You can lose your passion for God, but when you do, you need to it, get it rekindled. Okay? This is what he went on to say in Revelation ch- uh, chapter two Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have lost your first love. And he goes on to say this look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. When we lose our passion for God, all of a sudden we don't burn bright for God. Have you ever been around someone who's just passionate about Jesus? I can't. They tell everyone about Jesus. They're just passionate and they're on fire. Have you ever been around people who just, they go to church and they do the Christian thing, but they just don't really have a passion? Which burns brighter? Those who have a passion. That's what this is saying in Revelation. If you don't rekindle your passion, your lampstand will be taken from you. People won't see you burn for Jesus. Okay? As John mentioned earlier, this is a passion of mine. When we would travel to these churches and we would uh, do these nights of worship is what we would do. We would go uh, to these churches and do a nights of worship. And our whole desire for what we did was to get people's focus back on God. Because we found that if you'll just spend some uninterrupted time worshiping Him and putting your mind and your affections and your attentions on God, all of a sudden it creates this passion for Him. So we would go and we would just literally worship Him. And we would ask God, God, let us burn bright for you so others can catch fire. It was our whole heart's desire. Now, there are times in my life that that passion seems to not be there. We all go through those moments in our life just like we do in a marriage where the passion is just not what it used to be. I want to give you three suggestions that have helped me for when I lose passion for God. Number one, and point A, is this. I need to remember what God has done for us. When I start to lose passion for God, I need to think back and remember what I used to be like before I met God. I need to go back and I need to think about what was it like that moment that I met him and he took away my sin and he gave me a brand new life. What was that like? I mean, think about that for a moment for yourself. What was it like when you met Jesus for the first time and you realized that the creator of the universe loved you and went ahead of a relationship with you? You need to think about that. You know, Shelly and I do this. You know, there are times in marriage where, like I said, you just... Don't have that passion like you used to. And we'll start talking about when we started dating, how we met. And we actually met by accident because I was working at a body shop and she had a car wreck. So we met by accident. It's true. But we'll start talking about that. We'll start talking about where we used to go on our first date, okay? How we got engaged, our first kiss, first time we held hands. Where we went on our honeymoon. And we'll start talking about all those things. And all of a sudden, guess what? Some of those emotions and some of those thoughts begin to get stirred back. But then we need to do that with God. If you want to rekindle your passion with God, you need to remember what it used to be like and what it was like when you first met him. This is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And this is what he was telling them. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Don't forget that you used to be far away from God. All of us used to be that way. You used to be far away from God. Don't forget that. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him through the blood of Jesus. The second suggestion I have for you is to recommit your life to God. We need to recommit our life. If, our passions, if we're losing passion, we need to recommit our lives to God. This is what 1 Samuel says. If you're returning to the Lord, to the Lord with all your heart, then rid yourself of foreign gods and commit yourself to the Lord and serve Him only. We don't only need to recommit our lives to God. We need to find out, is there anything in my life that is standing between me and God and get rid of it. For me, sometimes it's a sinful habit. Sometimes it's a bad attitude. Uh, sometimes it is a relationship that I need to sever that's standing in between my relationship with God. But if I'm going to recommit my life to God, I need to find out what is it that's causing me not to burn with passion for Him. And I need to get rid of it. Okay, the third suggestion for you is this. We need to make our relationship with God our very first priority. It needs to be our first priority. When Jesus asked what was the, most, uh, the greatest commandment, what's the most important thing, this is what said in Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the most important commandment? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We need to return to having God in our relationship with God to be our first priority in our life. Now, if you want to know what someone's passion is, if you want to know what someone's priority are in their life, you can check three things. It's very simple. Number one, what do they talk about? Number two, what do they spend their time doing? Number three, what do they spend their money doing uh, on? What do they spend their money on? Check those three things out. Before I moved here, I used to be very passionate about fishing. Okay? My wife will tell you that I talked about fishing all the time, especially if me and my brothers got along together. We were talking about fishing all the time. She'll also tell you that I spent a lot of time fishing. If I had a free weekend, a free evening, I was out on the water, and I was bass fishing, okay? And my wife will definitely tell you that I spent too much money doing all those things, okay? Because it was a passion. It was a priority of my life. And we need to make Jesus and our relationship with him our first and number one priority. Now, a note on this is very simple. God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with us. Remember he said that the first commandment, the greatest commandment for us was to love him with everything we have, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Okay? This is what Paul told the Ephesians. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Would you to underline something in this. I want you to do His whole desire was to bring you, bring us to himself. That's God's greatest desire, is to have a relationship with us. I want you to understand something, though. God not only wants to have a relationship with us, but he's jealous about us. Okay, We serve a jealous God, and he doesn't like our priorities to get out of order. He doesn't like our affections to be given to someone else. Exodus 34, 14 says, You must worship no other God. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is God who is jealous about his relationship with us. If we, have a, if we have a jealous God, okay, just like I'm a jealous husband, okay, I don't mind. I'll admit it. It's not a bad jealousy. I just don't want my wife spending more time and uh, giving more of her affection to another man than me. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's how God feels about you. And the life application for us is that we need to spend time with God. We need to spend time with God. He asked me, well, Tommy, how do I spend time with God? And listen, you can, uh, you can spend time with God through reading your scriptures, through reading uh, your Bible, you spend time with Him through prayer. You spend time to Him at a corporate worship event like this right here. You can meet God in a place like this. You can spend time with God having a personal worship time with Him where it's just you and Him, and you're telling Him how great He is. I don't know how you best connect with God, but find what, how you do and do it. Connect Him. Because a relationship is spelled T-I-M-E. Ask my wife. If you want to know what she wants from me, it's not that I clean the gutters and do all those things, which she wants me to do, but what she wants most is my T-I-M-E, my time. Okay? I want to read the, reread the scripture real quick that... Jesus said, just to burn it in our minds, it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. She was just sitting there listening to him. And this is what Jesus said about it. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. We need to spend time with him. I want to wrap up our message today exactly what uh, I feel like God is saying to us today. It's simply this. We need to be faithful followers of Christ But we must never prioritize our duty over our relationship with God. Because God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with us. Therefore, we need to spend time with Him. Spending time with Jesus is a really, really, really good thing.
0: Now you know why. Now you know why we wanted Tommy to deliver this message today. This is a passion of his. And tonight, Tommy, we're having a night of praise right here at 6 mm-hmm. o'clock. What's that all about?
1: Like I said earlier, it's the same thing we, we do when we travel. Uh, we, we believe that if we can set a time, aside some time to concentrate our attentions and our affections on God, that it furthers and deepens our relationship with him. It's kind of like, we call it kind of like having a date night with God. It's like we get away ar- from get away from the distractions. We get away from the TV, we get away from doing all the duty, and it's like, let's just spend time with him.
0: And so what would be the biggest thing you would want for people who have never come to one of those before? Mm-hmm. What would you hope they would walk away from? Uh, if they come and spend, it starts at 6, goes about 7.15, hour and 15 minutes, what would you hope they would come away from at the end of the evening?
1: Well, a lot of what we hear most of the time is when we do these things, is I didn't realize how much God loved me. It's a revelation, a realization that God really loves me and he's really for me. And he really wants to spend time with me. And there's also just a deep, because of that, there's a deepening relationship. And anytime you have a deepening relationship with God or with others, man, it just makes it stronger.
0: Yeah. I want to tell you, I, I've been so blessed getting to know Tommy and Shelly and being a part of the worship ministry here. I grew up in a German farm community where work ethic was everything. We relaxed by milking cows. Okay, that was how we took time off, Okay. I mean, it was just, it was all about work all the time. And even when it came to our Christian life, you were supposed to be doing good things and doing what's right and working hard. And uh, if I look at that story of Mary and Martha, I can relate so much to Martha. Jesus could be sitting in the living room and I'm in the kitchen making potato salad and grumbling that nobody's working enough. And one of the things these two folks have taught me a lot about is, hey, that's important, John, but make sure your heart's right first. Don't lose your first love. I'd like for us to pray about that together. Can we please? Father, I want us to, today, Lord, I've prayed a couple times already, Lord, that this church would be faithful in serving you. We want to be found faithful. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But Lord, I don't want us to serve you out of duty. I don't want us to drift away from you. And now we're going to church out of rote practice and we're just doing things. We don't even know why anymore. Lord, I don't want my heart to become cold toward you. I don't want to become tolerant of sin and to become enamored by distractions. And Lord, you don't want want me to share my affections with any other God or any other habit or any other, well, anything else. And so God, this morning, we just come before you and we just say, well, we need you. In fact, in a moment of silence right now, if you have not yet today told the Lord you love him, Let's just start with that. Just pray right where you are. If you haven't yet said this today, just say, Lord, I love you. And I'm grateful that you saved me. If something has come between you and the Lord recently, a sinful habit, a fear, a worry, doubt, unforgiveness towards somebody else, laziness, an addiction, whatever it might be, would you confess it to the Lord and say, Lord, this has taken way too much time in my life. And God, I surrender it to you. And finally, if you need God to rekindle the fire in your heart, would you say, God, would you rekindle the flame in my heart? I want to burn brightly. I want to love you with all my heart. Please, Lord, rekindle the flame inside of me. Well, God, I thank you that we serve in a church. We serve together in a church, Tommy and I do, where we can use all of our gifts for you. I thank you for the musicians who lead us, for people who have passions, that they just praise you when they're just walking down the street. And Father, I just pray that you'll allow us to cooperate with them and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us through them through nights of praise, through times of worship. And Father, we will all be drawn closer to you. We come before you now and we tell you we love you together. In the name of Christ, our Lord, who loved us so much that he died on the cross long before we ever even recognized him. We love you, Lord. We thank you in the name of Christ. Amen.